When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we're all realizing that the quality of our air, and particularly the quality of our indoor air, is really darn important. I'm so excited to tell you about Puro Air because in 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called a HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. I keep my Puro Air running upstairs where the bedrooms are all night. I love that it's quiet. Cleaner air just hits different, doesn't it? Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. Well, hello there and welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian and you're listening to episode 379 of Sustainable Minimalists, a show about intentional and eco-friendly minimalist living. On today's show, we're continuing the conversation we started on Tuesday, and I'm speaking to someone who was instrumental in the passing of new regulation in the cosmetics industry. Now, I highly suggest you listen to Tuesday's episode before listening to this one, because in Tuesday, we discussed three very specific examples of when the products we know, we love, we trust, and we expect to work in a certain way actually harm human health. And so today's interview is meant to build off of that conversation. We're discussing lax laws. We're discussing what it actually takes from consumers like you and me to get regulations passed. And so today I'm speaking with Jessica Brennan. She is a clean beauty advocate. She is also the host of the Clean Product Junkie podcast, and she is a proud advocate for cleaner beauty laws. Jessica, I'm so excited to have you on the show today. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm so excited to be here. Well, again, I'm happy to have you. Today we're talking all things advocacy. Before we talk about advocacy, let's talk about you. Who are you and what do you do? So I am a home detox concierge and I am the host of the Clean Living Made Easy podcast. And I help people go through their household products identify ingredients that are linked to health issues and replace those products with healthier options. How did you get into this field? I'm curious. Usually when I talk to people in your realm, they have some sort of personal story. Do you have one you'd like to share? So yes, like many, I got into this field just through this personal experience that I had. I have twin boys. They're 13 now. But back in the day when I became a mom initially, I was someone who really liked to look into things. Just, I think a lot of us, once we have this responsibility of another human, in my case, two (laughs) other humans, we just really start to feel like we want to think more in depth about certain foods that we eat, things that we do, all of that stuff, because it's not just impacting us anymore. So I was one of those. And I was what a lot would consider like a crunchy mom. I cloth diapered my boys. I made their baby food from scratch. I thought I was choosing safer household products just all around. I was grabbing like all natural organic products, but both my sons have asthma and my one son has eczema. And we were constantly, especially with my son with eczema on this, like using steroid cream and just the poor kid was constantly itching and miserable. And just, I was always looking for solutions to help him not be 
so uncomfortable and itchy. But I'd never put the connection together that it might be something that we're using as far as cleaning supplies or personal care products only because the products I was using were already what I would have considered at the time ones to not be super irritating. But what I didn't know was that the personal care industry largely was unregulated. And when they were five years old, someone brought that to my attention and really started to get me thinking about not just gravitating towards those organic all natural products, but flipping those bottles around. Because what I had learned is that those terms didn't really mean anything. Once I turned the bottles around, specifically the body wash I was using on my sons that was formulated for eczema and recommended by our dermatologist, it was just one of those things where I was giving him a bath and this was on my mind. I couldn't get it out of my head. I flipped the bottle around and found ingredients that were linked to hormone disruption in this all natural body wash known carcinogens, ingredients linked to irritating asthma, which, like I mentioned, both my sons have, and then an ingredient linked to irritating eczema, which was very concerning considering it was supposed to be soothing eczema. So a lot of ingredients were soothing to eczema, but the ingredient that was there to make it foam was actually one that had been linked to irritating eczema. So I was like, okay, this isn't right. And if I didn't know this information, I know that my friends and family and community didn't know it either because I was one of those people that they would come to to ask questions about safer stuff. So it just put me on this path of switching my mindset from green to clean, which is now a very common term, but at the time it was not, going to a more educated mindset of looking into the ingredients, flipping the bottle around learning how to identify ingredients that are problematic and really taking that control back. Something about your story there really resonated with me. You essentially said that when we become parents, we then set a higher standard. We raise the bar for the products that we're bringing into our homes. And that 100% speaks to my experience. I think about nail polish. Like, even though I knew the problems with nail polish, the formaldehyde, etc., I was honestly fine to put it on me because I would say, eh, who cares? But my daughters, I'm not fine to put it on them. And so the bar just naturally rises when we talk about creating that cleaner, cleaner, I would say, medicine cabinet, beauty product area in our homes for our kids' health. And so we're talking about advocacy today, but I want to talk to you about the moment in which you moved from a concerned parent who was flipping bottles over and working within your home to taking your efforts and stepping outside the home, working towards advocacy on a larger playing field. Can you talk to me about that transition? Yeah, I think initially it stemmed from just being angry, honestly. Like, why is this happening? And it's not just about me and my family. This is, if this is affecting us, this is affecting everyone. And so just really being able to see opportunity for me to be able to have an impact. And what I really started to realize is that education was where it was at. So shortly after that realization, just committed myself to educating. And at the time, I just thought if I could help my friends become better educated and be able to make safer choices, then that in my mind was going to be 
something that I could then be able to pass down to my kids someday. Hopefully that was the goal. I wasn't thinking that big at that time, but that's what was driving me. Looking back, I just didn't, I hadn't really put that into words yet. But I think just understanding that when people knew better, they would do better and wanting to help them get the information they needed. I, for, so for me personally, what makes me super angry is the greenwashing and the overconsumption that's pushed on us by marketing. And I think there comes a point for many of us, and I'm at that point, that's why I wanted to talk to you, Jessica, in which we've done all we can within our own homes, within our own four walls, and we're still angry. (laughs) We're still frustrated, and we still have a lot of fire in us to direct somewhere. And so that's when we know we're ready for advocacy. Why is advocacy important to you? I know you mentioned helping others, but why else should we all consider taking our effort and energy and anger and directing it outside of our homes? So what I think is the biggest reason why it's important is because at the end of the day, we are in this period of greenwashing, right? And the reason why that is happening is because of the lack of legislation, the lack of oversight in the industries. Companies fully understand that we as consumers are wanting greener, all-natural, organic products, right? Because that's what we shop for at the grocery store. So they are providing that to us. I am saying providing like in quotes because it's not necessarily as safe as we think that those products are. But we as consumers, because a lot of people still don't have the knowledge of greenwashing, consumers don't realize that companies are doing this to us. So a lot of people are gravitating towards those products and really aren't doing that research. And it is so important. So in coordination with that, as we are educating ourselves, starting to do that research, doing all the things that we can to make safer choices, lending our voice to let Congress know that we deserve better is super important. Up until 2022, December of last year, actually, there had not been a major update to the legislation since 1938. So over 85 years. So when it comes to personal care products, it's not just about beauty products, it's about our kids' products. Hence why I was able to find those ingredients linked to health issues in my kids' products, men's products, runs the gamut. None of that is regulated. So we're thinking we want products that are healthy, Companies are providing healthier, but we are believing that they're healthy, if that makes sense. If you're on a scale of one to 10 and we want 10, they were providing us one. Now they're providing us two, but we think that they're 10. So we need to make sure that Congress knows that we want them to be held to a higher standard so that ultimately they're providing us the 10 that we're wanting. That we're demanding, that we deserve. Yes. It's the same in the greenwashing sphere, right? A tide is turning. I see it turning every darn day. I see it when brands come to me and want to advertise on my show, want to advertise their green line or their eco-friendly this. By and large, many brands are changing the marketing because they know they want to hit the environmentalist subset of consumers, but they're not fundamentally changing the product to be more environmentally friendly. And so you mentioned Congress in your answer. Let's talk about your trip to Congress. Tell me all about it. 
Yeah. So last April, so April of 2022, I was selected to go to DC through my home detox concierge business. I've partnered with a few clean beauty brands that are doing better. Beauty Counter is one of them. And they coordinated this trip as they do every couple of years to go to DC and ask for more health protective laws in the industry. And I had been doing this for many years, meeting with my local representatives, asking them to update the laws, asking constituents in our area to reach out to our local representatives as well. But I had not had a chance to go to DC and experience that. And it was a very eye-opening, actually very inspiring experience and really opening my eyes to the fact that we are making progress, that things are happening. And to continue to go out there and talk to people about how important it is to make our voices heard, just seeing how that has had an effect in the personal care industry in particular over the last 10 years has really inspired me to want to continue to do that work and also just want to get people to understand how our voices really do have an impact. I'm happy to hear you say that, Jessica, because I feel as though a lot of us, perhaps many listeners, they're they're jaded. They're tired. They're cynical. They think our voices don't matter. We are just little minions <laughs> buying what's on the shelves and our health, our preferences, they actually don't matter. So can you talk to me a little bit more about how your trip actually inspired you to keep moving forward? I mean, that's actually not what I thought you would say. I thought you would say you went to Congress, you talked to these legislators, they yesed you to death and then made no changes and you went home even more defeated. But it sounds like that's not the case. No. And again, leading up to that point, the work that I had done along with many other people in the beauty industry advocating for better beauty laws, just to take a step back there so you can get more of a sense of why this was so impactful. Like I'd mentioned, I had talked to my local representatives. I live outside of Philadelphia. I had met with our senator a couple of times and a local representative. And when I first started this, the first time I met with them, there was a low-level staffer that came to join us and was very clear that the office was not hearing from constituents about this issue. So I would say that's probably about six years ago that my first meeting occurred. We let him know what was happening in the industry, why this was important, why it wasn't just about the beauty products, which should be important in and of itself, but trying to get him to understand the magnitude and the gravity of the issue. And he was shocked. He did not know about the lack of regulation. So he took that back to Senator Casey, let him know what was going on. And after that point, those next two years, because there was two years between that uh, meeting with him and then the next one. We educated in our local community. We talked to people about this issue. We asked them to text, email their senators and representatives and get involved. So skip forward two more years, the same guy came, but brought three higher level staffers with him. There were four people there to talk to us that day. And it was very clear that they were hearing from constituents, that they understood the gravity of the problem that they wanted to hear what our opinions were as far as solutions were concerned. So that was, let's say, three years ago. So then skip forward to April of last year of 2022, going in front of Congress, there were 200 of us there talking to 70 different representatives and senators. And they were serious. They understood. Some of them have worked on this issue for many years, but a lot of them just in the last couple of years had started to understand just how important it was to change the laws. 
every single one of them was hearing from constituents were really committed to actually making a change. So our conversations there were extremely powerful and important. Obviously, laying that groundwork leading up to that was a huge part of it. But what was happening was that they were seriously listening to us and asking us what it was that we wanted to be included in that bill. And we had very clear talking points, things that we were requesting, which included a recall system, which most people do not realize there is no recall system in the United States and won't be for another couple of years. If there's a product, which there are many, that is causing harm to a lot of people, there is nothing that the FDA can do to get that product off the shelf. They can issue a warning, but who reads the FDA warnings? Most people do not. Sometimes it comes across in our newsfeed, like the the baby powder is one that a lot of people know about. There are a couple shampoos on the market that are causing people's hair to fall out. There has been heavy metals found in products that are being sold to teenagers. There's been some news about that, but those are just some of them. There's a lot of that happening. Asking them for a recall system, asking them to actually start looking at the research with ingredients as far as ingredients are concerned and seeing what the science says about how overexposure to those ingredients, which many of them are used in most of our products. So even though one product isn't going to cause us harm when we're putting it on our bodies through multiple products every day, research shows that it's linked to long-term health issues. So paying attention to that, let's not just assume that it's safe because the dose is not the poison. That's what they say is the dose is the poison. So if it's just a little bit, then it's okay, but it's literally in everything. So it's not okay. So those are the types of things we were asking them to include. And then that led to, in December of 2022, them actually including this bill, first time in over 85 years, to finally update these outdated laws in the beauty industry. It's not going to take effect for a couple of years. They have to give companies time to adjust. So we still really need to do our due diligence as far as our homework and educate ourselves. In a couple of years, it'll be better. It's not going to be great. It's a starting point. There's no regulation in this industry. So we have a lot of catching up to do compared to other countries. So the bill passed. Yes, the bill passed. Amazing. Jessica, congratulations. Wow. That's phenomenal. We're going to take our ad break, but when we get back, I would love to transition. I want to shift our conversation away from your gigantic successes and talk about how my listeners can shift toward advocacy. I don't know that all of us have the time and childcare and whatever else we need to travel to Washington, D.C., but I am willing to bet that we can all be advocates in some sort of way for the issues that matter to us. So I'm going to ask you all about that after a quick sponsor break. Hello, Sustainable Minimalist listeners. Are you committed to living a greener and simpler life? Well, meet Home Threads, your ally in more sustainable and minimalist home decor. As the total destination for decor and furniture, Home Threads helps you define your minimalist lifestyle while respecting the planet. Discover their exclusive Haven collection. They use many sustainable materials without compromising on style. And here's the best part. Home Threads always has the best value. It was time. After nine years of living in our home, it was time to replace our outdoor furniture. And my husband and I, we went to Home Threads. We have a Home Threads patio umbrella and a new bench. And oh my goodness, we are so in love 
Create a home that reflects your commitment to the environment. Visit homethreads.com slash sustainable and get a code for 15% off your first order. Homethreads.com slash sustainable. Love where you live. So many of us have chaotic closets that are crammed full of clothing items and yet somehow we still have nothing to wear. Well, upgrading to high quality and affordable pieces from Quince when you need them is a game changer. They offer organic cotton sweaters and washable silk tops. My 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters are my go-to. Not only are they affordable, but the quality is top-notch They wear better than the cashmere sweaters that are double their price. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash sustainable podcast for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash sustainable podcast to get free shipping and 365 day returns. One more time, quince.com slash sustainable podcast. And we're back. Today I'm speaking with Jessica Brennan. She is the host of the Clean Living Made Easy podcast. And before the break, Jessica, congratulations. I want to give you a round of applause. You got new legislation passed. When is it going to take effect? I believe it's 2025. Okay. So I want to talk to you about what the rest of us can do. I... Honestly, to be completely frank, I don't know if at this point in my life, like I want to do something, but I don't know if I want to go picket in front of the Capitol building personally. (laughs) So it seems to me, though, that there are different levels of commitment when it comes to advocacy, when it comes to fighting for what we want to see more of in the world. What are some smaller ways that listeners like me can dip our toe into advocacy. Before even starting to advocate for anything, I think the most important thing is to get educated on really what the issues are so that you can, first of all, that's the why that drives at least me and those of us who are working in the beauty industry in particular to keep going. So that's step one is just educate yourself on the issue that you are really passionate about, whether it's beauty products or sustainability Anything that you're trying to move the needle, just feel really confident in the reason why you want to move forward with that and make a change. The second thing would be, which this is something that I think a lot of people don't realize how impactful it is, but the congressmen and women that we talked to in April last year, all of them said this exact same thing. Reach out to your representatives. They are required to listen to your concerns. There are many ways to do this, but just making a phone call, just making sure they understand what is important to you goes a long way. For instance, for the personal care industry, there's a text that you can send out that will send you a link, you fill it out, and it literally puts together an email and asks Congress to support the most pressing issues currently right now that they're looking at. Um, There's lots of things like that out there. So just Find an organization that's aligned with what you're looking to do and find ways to connect with their text to action campaigns that they've got going on. So that's the first one. The second one would be to take the next step. And this is how it laid out for me. So that's why I'm saying this, but I know this is the case for a lot of people. 
is to set up a meeting to go talk to your members of Congress. And they will usually send a staffer out. But again, they are obligated to listen to your concerns and to then report that back to the representative or the Congress man or woman who they're working with. So that's hugely impactful as well. I think what I hear you saying there, though, is not to just go at it alone. I know you met up with a bunch of other people, hundreds of other people, because I believe you said Beauty Counter was spearheading this trip and these initiatives. Is that right? The thought of doing this alone, going to sit down with my, I don't know, my congressman or woman, sounds really scary. But doing it with 200 other people who are also fired up, just like me, that sounds a little bit less scary. Can you speak more to that? Yeah, I mean, the power really is in the numbers. And when we first started doing this work, there was very few people that were doing it. So that's why the education piece is so important too, because as you're learning things, then you want to share that stuff with other people who you think would benefit from knowing this information. And there are other organizations out there that have that infrastructure already in place so that you're not creating that yourself. So look for organizations out there that are aligned with something that you want to get involved with. And then they usually have ways that you can plug into text to action campaigns or putting together meetings so that maybe you might be coordinating that meeting, but you're not coordinating it alone. You're working in conjunction with somebody else who has their fingers on the pulse of the issue and knows what needs to be talked about and what points really need to be driven home so that they can go back and talk about that. And that over time will lead to change down the road. The power of organizing ourselves. Yeah, I think the biggest thing that I have learned, I was not somebody that ever thought I would be doing advocacy work. Honestly, I just, it just fell into my lap again, but it stems from this real place of caring. And I don't want to leave this industry that I'm advocating in. And just like we talk about making more eco-friendly swaps in our house, we want to leave the future world to the next generation in a better place than what it currently is. It's not easy. There's certain days that get super frustrated for being able to experience that change or that legislation being passed in last year was a huge thing to celebrate. But there are a lot of roadblocks that led up to that and a lot of times where me and others involved in this cause were like, why are we doing this? (laughs) Nothing's ever going to change. So just staying the course and being committed to whatever it is that is driving you and thinking about that, the implications of your actions now and how that will affect things down the road. As I was preparing to speak with you today, Jessica, I was thinking about how, especially in my realm, the conscious consumerist greenwashing realm, corporations benefit when consumers stay silent. Corporations benefit when we silently fume in our own homes (laughs) and don't use our voices and advocate for what we want to see more of. The only people benefiting are those who are making money off of us, right? And so I'm wondering if you have any thoughts on that, because to stay silent, it seems to me, is a powerful way of maintaining the status quo. Yeah. It's so important to understand why you should raise your voice. And for me, at least, and my hope in sharing this story, 
of my experience is that I think a lot of us don't realize how impactful our voice actually is. And so just understanding that those little steps that you take, those times that you reach out, I just texted Congress again today, I try to do it once a month, like they all add up and over time make an impact. People understand that there are ingredients in our products that are linked to health issues and are trying to do better. What they don't understand is the fact that the industry is unregulated and that they need to do their research. There are actually really good players out there. There are really good companies that are doing better. And supporting those companies is one thing that we can do. I know it's not directly related to advocacy, but I view it as one and the same. We're being better, more conscious consumers, but then also pairing that up with telling Congress that we don't want to have to do all this research. It's exhausting to have to know all this information. Someday, I hope that we don't have to talk about this. That's kind of my long-term vision, is this isn't something that we should have to put time and energy and resources into, because companies should just do the right thing. But they're not forced to do the right thing. Therefore, they don't, because at the end of the day, they're just trying to make money, and they can make money in pretty crazy ways. So Congress needs to let them know that's not okay. You said something there, and I wrote it down. You said that many of us don't know how impactful our voice is. And I would say, I would add to that and say that many of us are reluctant to use our voice for whatever reason. But we all need to stop that. (laughs) We need to use our voice. And maybe we just use our voices like in the first step, which is to talk about our passions and our anger with those around us. Maybe that's when a sustainability or a non-clean, a dirty product, or whenever like those conversations arise in our daily lives, maybe step one to using our voice more is to engage in those conversations. Practice, right? I know for me, and I'll be, I love using my voice. I know how impactful my voice is. Heck, I have a podcast. But even that said, when people in my own personal life, my neighbors, my friends, even heck, some family members come and talk to me about what I'm trying to do here on this podcast or some sort of environmental issue, I tend, and I don't know why I do this, but I tend to like make myself small and answer the question, but not just answer the question, I guess is what I would do. I don't like engage in a bigger conversation or discuss about implications or any of that. And I actually don't know why I do that because I got a really loud voice. But what do you think about step one being, let's talk to other people about these pressing issues more because bringing this back around to what you said at the beginning of the conversation, you originally got into advocacy because you wanted essentially to fight for the people who didn't understand that the products on our shelves are dirty. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's important for us to realize sometimes you're talking about things that sometimes people don't want to talk about. You know, it can be a little bit of a heavy conversation to have. But I guess from my perspective, I think of it as I want people to know that this is something that I am passionate about and that they can have a conversation with me about that. I understand everyone's on a different level as far as their knowledge and their concern about it. But I just think being 
able to share that this is something that I care about and that I'm open to talking to them about. Also, the other thing I really lean into is when it comes to environmental and personal care and these issues in particular that you and I are so passionate about, these are not party line problems. These are things that really are affecting everyone. In my experience, in my advocacy work, I work with people that are on both sides of the fence, that are completely understanding that this issue is a problem and that we need a fix to it. There are certain things that go beyond our political agendas and that type of thing. And I love that about this advocacy work that I do personally is that it's something that brings people together. So thinking about that too is really important. If you're super passionate about something that has that same effect, like it it should inspire you to want to continue to have those conversations. Yeah, I love that. Letting others know that you are a person who's willing and happy to discuss, right? Like instead of just using our voices, you know, shouting from the rooftops to people who aren't receptive to what we want to talk about, just making it known that we are willing to talk to anybody who wants to talk about the issues we're passionate about. I love that. Jessica, tell my listeners where they can find more of you and more of your podcast, the Clean Living Made Easy podcast. Yeah, so you can go to cleanlivingmadeeasypodcast.com out and then I can be found on Instagram and Facebook at Clean Product Junkie. Jessica, thank you so much for coming on the show. You've really lit a fire in me. I'm sure you did the same for my listeners. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This was amazing. Listeners, that's a wrap. Show notes are at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 379. We do have an eco tip today and it comes from listener Jamie. Jamie said that she heard my latest interview with Mary Simpson when we were talking about kids artwork and she wanted to share what she does with her four-year-old son's artwork. She says that she again, like we mentioned in the episode, puts some on the wall, puts the rest in the drawer. And then once the drawer is full, she cuts it all to the same size. She stacks them up. She chooses a cover page, which is usually a vintage map or a page from an old book. And then she sews all this into a journal. She says that it doesn't take a lot of time. And in this way, She keeps his drawings in a way that's functional. So you can leaf through it, right? Just like a photo album, you can leaf through an art journal. Jamie also says that she writes in these journals as you would write in a journal. And so when she's writing in her journal, she's looking at her child's artwork. How beautiful. She also sent me some photos. And these photos, these look like the best journals I've ever seen in my darn life. They're so adorable. I'm going to put them up on Instagram for anybody who's interested. But not hard, extremely functional Those two things together, not hard and extremely functional, are right up my alley. So thank you so, so much, Jamie. We will be back on Friday for headlines. I will see you then. As always, you know where to find me. Reach out if you need me and take care.